resting in my arms Remember again. when we saw Paul Simon together and that was beautiful? <laughs> oh, it was so magical. <laughs> Everybody and welcome to episode 18 of Cinefleck. I am your host, Ethan Colburn. Welcome back for another episode. Uh, thank you guys for all listening to the Halloween series I did. Um, that was so much, so much fun. Um, we are moving into November, so I'm returning to non-horror movies. Uh, this week, um, I had such a good time talking to Juliana on this podcast about one of her favorite movies, True Romance. So I really hope you guys enjoy this as well. Um, just a really, really fun movie and one of her freight favorites. We drank whiskey smashes um, and those were very, very good. Um, it's basically a take on a whiskey sour with mint. You can find the recipe on my Instagram at Cineflec Pod and my Twitter at Cineflec. Uh, so check those out. We seriously like killed a bottle of whiskey together after I'd have after I'd had quite a bit of wine and I'm surprised how well this podcast came came together but um if you want only the movie related content I suggest you just stop it like 10 minutes before the end because I think we kind of go off the rails there but I, I had a good time with it so I decided to keep it um happy election day everyone get out there and vote I hope that Maybe you need something to do in line at the polls or you already have voted, but uh, priority on that. So uh, go out there and express yourself. Uh, Other news over the weekend. um, I was really saddened by the passing of Sean Connery. Uh, That was that was really, really upsetting for me. I'd been like a Bond fan my whole life. And he's just I mean, it's it's not that it, it doesn't happen every day where you just lose like an absolute legend of cinema like that. And you know, that I, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to look for a way to honor him in the podcast. I'm looking to do, I'm, I'm look, I'm looking to doing a bond, uh, series sometime soon. Um, hopefully with George and, uh, I'm collecting Sean Connery impressions for that. So what you can do is I have, a link in the bio. Uh, you can go to anchor.fm slash cineflec slash message. Um, that's anchor.fm slash cineflec slash message. And, um, and you can just record like a 10 to 15 second Sean Connery impression. I'll put together a compilation and we'll have like a nice little collection of everything you guys send me. So um, if, if that doesn't work for you, you can just send it to cinefleck at gmail.com. That'll work as well. So, uh, yeah, I hope, I hope we can get that episode out in the next, uh, couple weeks. That'll be really fun. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. I hope you enjoy True Romance. My name is Vincent Cocotti. I work as consul for Mr. Blue Lou Boyle, the man your son stole from. Now, all that stands between them and their wildest dreams find out who this wing and a prayer artist is and take him off at the neck. 
are 60 cops. 40 agents. He's a wild man, this kid Clarence. I like him. 30 mobsters. I haven't killed anybody since 1984. And a few thousand bullets. That's Juliana. We are getting serious. <laughs> we got this. We are recording. Yeah. This is a serious process. We're ready. Let's do it. Welcome on the podcast. Finally. I'm very excited to be here. Thank I think you. this might be my like longest planned episode. Like yeah. I knew you were coming back. It's been sometime in October. Like okay, you no, said you said o- September. Like August. You said September. And oh, then you yeah. were like and then you kept post postponing it. <laughs> I'm not good with plans. Can't believe um. you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I struggle with that aspect. Um, um, yeah, no, I mean, this is like, and, and then literally up until like maybe hours before this, we were like, but you. <laughs> I was like, what movie, movie do you want to do? <laughs> You're like, uh, maybe True Romance? So yeah. Ultimately, we went with the movie that uh, we, we've been talking about for the longest, which is True Romance. Um, <laughs> what? what? A movie. Yeah. Honestly, (laughs) I, um, I don't know why I didn't connect with it the first time around. I was, I think I was pretty drunk when I watched it the first time and somehow I was just kind of like, but this time I was also pretty drunk and I was kind of like, Oh yes. I just kind of clicked with it a little more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to just give like a brief summary of like true romance? Mm-hmm. What just just like your like short synopsis of like what the movie yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. Before um, we get into like the, what you think the about full it. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So this is a story about a man named Clarence Worley. Sounds about the name. right. And then and then he meets a prostitute in Alabama who's like paid to be with him. They fall in love. He tries to get her out of the prostitute ring, um, kills her pimp, takes her, trying to get her clothes, ends up being a suitcase of cocaine, and then they essentially are trying to get rid of that so they can just live their lives um, in love and together... I, yeah, I feel like I talked about this before, like, I can't tell if this is actually a good movie or if it's just, like, super entertaining and a great time, but, I mean, the cast is phenomenal. Yeah, no, the cast, the (laughs) cast blows me away. I, I swear, I, I remember the stack, I, I remember the stack was cast, no, the cast was stacked stacked the first time I watched it, but then I forgot, I was like... Somehow Val Kilmer's like the second highest build, but then he's just like his face is never in it because he's yeah. just like the Elvis that shows up in his his imagination. Yeah. Tom Sizemore, James Gandolfini, Dennis uh, Hopper, Christopher Walken, and Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Pitt's the one. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. Oh, the best uh, character by far, oh my Floyd, <laughs> with his honey bear. Um, bong. <laughs> this is, this is, and what I love so much about that is this is literally like the last moment in Brad Pitt's career where you could just do that to him. Yeah. Where you could just put him as a stoner roommate yeah. who has five minutes of screen time. Like, who is this man? If, if that. 
Because he, because um, I think before this, he was in Thelma and Louise, and then he called either um, Tim Scott or Tarantino and was like, hey, I want to be in this movie, and they're like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so he, like, improved most of his lines and I've everything. Um, but, like... <laughs> Don't condescend me, man. <laughs> I can kill you, man. And then, and then also, and then also, just like I love the idea that like it took twenty seven years, but it was like Tarantino that eventually got him his Oscar. Yeah, That's yeah. Like, Seriously, awesome. I do. I feel like there was. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I have taken. Brad Pitt for granted for a long time, probably yeah. because he's just hot. I think we all have. But honestly. then you look at him and you're like, "You're a good actor. You've been in awesome things." I don't know. Um, I mean, I love your episode of Paloma with Almost Famous. Oh. Um, when you guys talked about Brad Pitt um, being. Oh, would have been fun. Yeah. So, I very much agreed with everything you guys said about him there um and he's just he's just a ball and a half like <laughs> go go brad i don't know i think go he's, brad. he's the most fun character in totally. this film totally go brad um mm-hmm. yeah so what um why have you sort of fallen in love with this movie what like this is a movie that you've talked about multiple times mm-hmm. i Again, like, I saw it the first time, I think, on your recommendation with a couple of people. But I, I, I know that you weren't there the first time I watched this. Um, and, yeah, you recommended it very strongly. And then when we were talking through movies, we eventually settled on this. What, it, what is it about this movie that, like, you were so in love with? And what is it about this movie that, like, you keep returning to? Yeah. Um, my, my father who works in the movie industry. He was the one who originally introduced me to this film. And first, like, first of all, he talked about how awesome Gary Oldman in is. Gary Oldman in, is in it, um, which you can't... Like, there have been many people I've talked to who've seen it, and they don't know that Gary Oldman is the character <laughs> he is because he's, like, so disguised a oh little bit and God. just very, very different from... <laughs> his normal characters yeah um so i think that was my in- initial introduction to the film and then palom and i watched it together in high school Aww. we always had our little like movie days i don't i don't exactly remember what age i was when i saw it but i do remember i don't know also like i do remember when i watched it um, I thought it was simultaneously a very, very fun action film, but also a film that focused on, like, innocence and love, which mm-hmm. I really resonated with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I still do, like, recently thinking about a lot of the films that I've been watching and I've been into, um... They're all kind of about how, how just, they're just like basic, how people interact, what people want from life, um, 
the beauty of innocence and I think that especially like Patricia Arquette's character in this film embodies that so well that I just fall in love I don't know I just fall in love with every character like I just I don't want my life to be like that but I kind of do when I watch it you know no, totally. Um, totally. I, yeah, I'm just, I'm just engrossed by the entire thing. And... I Yeah, I don't know. There's something about it where it feels so real and so relatable, even though I've never been in a situa- situation like that, and I think a lot of people haven't. But um, it just kind of gives you a basis to, to go off of where it's like you do believe that these people are in love. You do believe that they want to spend their lives together and they're just like flying by the seat of their pants, doing their thing. And I don't know. I, I love that they get married so quickly. I, right. No, yeah. it's like, it's like you expect that to be like a climactic moment of the movie. And then it just happened. Like, that's one thing that I remember the rewatch. It was like, Oh shit, they're already married? I was just yeah, like, it it's, it's in the yeah. first like 30 minutes or something totally. that they're already married. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And then and then I think um I think that the movie straddles the line really well between um sort of they're they're very innocent mm-hmm. as a couple, mm-hmm. but they're very relatable in so many ways. Like I think so many movies where you see like an innocent couple, um it's sort of like, oh, they're young and in love and they're and they're like, oh, this isn't gonna work out. But like mm-hmm. the way the way they sort of fall in love, it seems sort of grounded. Yeah. And um and it seems like okay, they might actually be right for each other, but they're just jumping into it really fast. Yeah. But it's it's um it's it's gone about in a way that you you sort of think that there's an element of it that's actually crowned in reality and and there's a reason it might actually work it reminds me of actually a movie i did on this podcast that mm-hmm. i love moonrise kingdom mm-hmm. it's the same idea where it's like it's like this they're, they're going about it really fast but the reason this whole movie works is because there's a chemistry that's really grounded in it yeah um, and that, that really impressed me that, that, that really impressed me this watch. And, and then also you were talking about how, um, how you didn't want your life to sort of turn up this way. <laughs> um, Tarantino said it's his most autobiographical yes. work. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I heard that. Which, because he, like, uh, he what? worked in a, he worked in like a movie store. I, I know that. Which kind of coincides with Clarence working in a comic book store. But what? They're kind of like weird people. I don't know. Did his boss hire a hooker for him? That, you're right. That might have happened. Maybe. No, honestly, that might have happened. Yeah. It might have been that his boss hired a hooker for him and then he just projected forward this whole story while doing cocaine i feel yeah seriously like, oh yes he okay. might have just been doing cocaine That's and he was like drawn and in. then we all went to la <laughs> and then and then we sold all the cocaine okay. <laughs> you're like okay okay thank and you like, okay, <laughs> good stuff please don't hurt me <laughs> yeah have, have yeah you ever, oh, okay sorry tangent yep, have you ever heard the fiona apple story 
about no. how, okay, so Fiona Apple, you know who she is? <laughs> yes. Okay, so Fiona Apple was dating Paul Thomas Anderson for like years. Oh, um, is she really? Yeah, okay. isn't that cool? Like in the early 2000s? Yeah. So she said that, she said that she was like hard into cocaine in like the early 2000s, okay. and then she did cocaine one night with with her, Paul Thomas Anderson, and Quentin Tarantino. Uh. And she said, <laughs> and she said she never did cocaine again. I don't know why. I don't know. And then I immediately. What's funny is you can read the headline in that story, and then you can just be like, "Okay, I picture. I I like. I see how the whole night yeah. went. <laughs> and I also see why you never do cocaine again. Of what's going on here? Yeah. So it's like it's like her like Paul Thomas Anderson. Like it's just like Paul Thomas Anderson, Quentin Tarantino, you know, like freaking out over movies all, an entire night. And you're sitting there like, mm, okay, cool. <laughs> you're like, I'm uh, gonna be sober uh, now. This like is ten- enough. It's like a tennis match. You're just yeah. like, this is way too much. That would be. <laughs> no, I know. Like, would I? Like, what would I? What would I pay to be in that room? Right. My life savings. But yeah, like, I, I understand where she's at as well. Yeah, that could be, yeah, it could be pretty overwhelming. Yeah. I do think, I mean, I feel like it, it felt like Tarantino, um, kind of daydreaming about how he would want his life to be, where he's kind of seen as cool and gets, I mean, cause I don't, I don't think that Clarence is technically cool but I feel like he he kind of tries to be in like a nonchalant way well Christian Slater I mean is is more good looking than Tarantino right oh yeah and then and then I think I mean he he, he's still got the nerdy side that Tarantino has Mm -hmm. and I think you bring up a good point that it's like it's sort of like it's it's like if Tarantino were cooler, but it's not out of the ballpark of like where Tarantino's at. It's not right. like it's not like I'm the most handsome movie star in the world yeah. and I'm dating this beautiful girl and nothing's wrong. Yeah. It's like I'm this nerd who who like can't get a girl, so his pro, his boss has to hire a hooker for me mm-hmm. to like find someone that I actually yeah. care about. And like it that's works out. yeah, mm-hmm. like that's that's where this guy's at. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. I think it's like, it's like, it's like a projection of Tarantino that's like slightly outside of his reality. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting because you you watch this and it feels very Tarantino, but it also feels, I mean, it feels, I'd say it feels more Tarantino than Tony Scott, but it still feels like Tarantino with the reins pulled in. Right. It's like. It's like it's it's, it, it's it's not until like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction that he's really allowed to like roam free. Yeah. It's it's um Yeah. Yeah. So it's like it feels like Tarantino with someone else trying to project Tarantino as mainstream. Yeah. And totally. it wasn't and this movie wasn't mainstream. It wasn't it it didn't get good reviews. It didn't make very much money in the box office, but but it still wasn't a full Tarantino film because he only he only wrote it and then he sold the script for like fifty thousand dollars to minimum. fund yeah to fund Reservoir Dogs yeah the minimum amount of money he the was not involved whatsoever also he fully um he did not 
write the ending the way that it ended. How so? He killed Clarence in the end. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know if we want to touch on this now or come back to it. No, later, no, no. But... Um, we can we can touch on it now. Um, one of my favorite things about the movie is that they do kite away in the end. Yeah. Um, I've talked about this with Paige, but in old Hollywood movies, mm-hmm. um, they like weren't allowed to get away with heists. It was, like, a thing in the, like, production oh. code mm-hmm. that, like, if you had a heist and you had, like, a bad guy that got away with, like, ill-gotten gains, you weren't allowed to get, you weren't allowed oh. to get away with it. So, like, if you watch, like, a group, great example is, like, The Killing, which is, like, an early, early Stanley Kubrick production. Yeah. Where they steal all this money from the horse track and then he puts it in, like, a suitcase and they're like... That's too big for a carry-on. You'll have to check that, sir. Yeah. And then he, like, checks it, and then it just so happens that the suitcase tumbles off um, the the cart that's taking it to the plane, and then all the money spills out spills out on the tar- tarmac. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's sort of Stanley Kubrick playing with the production code, because he's like, look at how ridiculous, like, it had to be such that he lost like he really did think everything else through except for this one ridiculous thing Mm -hmm. so but like with this like there aren't there aren't that many movies where like he walks out like he has it all like and I I, I actually love that about this is like they were the dumb teenagers that got married too early that like got in over their heads and they were the dumb teenagers that got out of it like that's that's really rare like you look at every like Pony and Clyde movie or like mm-hmm. Pony and Clyde-esque movie yeah. and they all die right. and like I actually really liked that they got away with it yeah it's kind of a social statement where it's like if you're gonna be a, if you're gonna be a tech like quote unquote bad person you're not getting away with it and then Tarantino's like well why I don't know just questioning the social standards around that but also, I know, so I know that this film is very much tied to the film Natural Born Killers. Yeah, um, which was also a Tarantino script. It was a Tarantino script um, directed by Oliver Stone. Right. And they actually got into, like, a big fight around that film. Tarantino, like, denounced the film and everything because Oliver Stone... Uh, I guess took it in a direction, like, took it too far out of the script that Tarantino wrote, and so he was just, then, someone, someone, either Oliver Stone or someone else in the production company, they, like, actually got in a fist fight about it, where, like, Tarantino was sued and everything, Um, but he, but he was like, if you like me as a director or a writer or anything, like, don't watch this film, which, wow. It's an awesome film. Yeah, um, like it's a really it's from I actually have not seen that one, but like that, from what I've heard, it's a it's actually like it's got a cult following. It's a really fucking good movie. Yeah, and it's it's Woody Harrelson and Julia Lewis, which I'm like in love with both of them. Yeah. Um, but so I guess in this, so Tarantino wrote like a five hundred page script, and then split it. I in told half. you it was on cocaine. Yeah, obviously <laughs> no. Uh, 
Obviously. <laughs> He's not sober. No, 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 no. Like, this is, like, the cocaine is not only, like, like, the MacGuffin in the script. It's, like, it, it's, like, it's the driving force. Yeah. yeah it keeps him going. It keeps totally. him in that manic state. Um, totally. But, yeah, he wrote, like, a 500-page script and then kind of cut it in half. So it's, like, half is true romance, half is natural born killers. And then Clarence and Alabama were supposed yeah. to be, like, they were technically, like, really writing the script to... Writing the story of natural born killers as they were driving from Detroit to L.A. Um, that was cut out of of the original script and of the film. Um, yeah, because that would have been too self-referential. It would have, yeah, it would have been, it would have been a lot. And it would have been for a movie it. that hadn't come out. But again, mm. it was like, they both, so I, I feel like Natural Born Killers is much more like Bonnie and Clyde. Right. In, they're obviously bad people who are murdering others and like taking what they want from society whereas I think that Clarence and Alabama I think they have bad tendencies in a sense but they're really likable they're really charismatic um and you don't doubt them in their initial intent to just they're just there because they love each other and they want to do whatever they can to be together and just have a good life together. Right, right, right. Um, but I, I do think with... I, I think it's interesting that those two films are related because after those, I don't, I don't think... Tar- I think Tarantino like directed everything else. Yeah, I mean, wrote, I think after that point, like, he had the clout to, like, be like, I'm directing this. Like, it's right. not like, it's not like he had to sell his scripts. Like, yeah. up until that point, like, he was a nobody. Yeah. He sold his script to finance his own movie, mm-hmm. you know, and then it was only, it, it was kind of a miracle that he got Reservoir Dogs financed through the help of Harvey Keitel. It was like, luckily, like, a fucking legend. It was, like, willing to just be like, hey, you know, this guy's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, seriously. So, so yeah. I mean, I mean, I think he se- he seems like the guy that like has a very strong vision of how he wants things to turn out, and just did not have the money to do that himself. Mm-hmm. So like that's it's kind of a workaround here that he has Tony Scott t- directing his movie. Yeah. Kind of a side point I wanted to talk about. Um, so he was on the Rewatchables podcast. I don't know if you've ever heard that. He came on for like three episodes and stuff. And Tarantino it was like, did. It was amazing. And so one of the movies he picked that he wanted to talk about was Unstoppable. Okay. Which is Tony Scott's last movie. It's a okay. movie with Denzel Washington and Chris Pine about a train that can't stop. Came out in 2010. Yeah, like, okay. I, I saw yeah. It, I saw it in theaters. You, yeah. you might I didn't, I didn't watch it, but I remember seeing trailers and everything for yeah. it. Yeah. So, so I remember him talking about with that movie, sort of how Tony Scott directs and how it'd be very different from how he would direct. And I heard that podcast since I'd seen this movie the first time. And what he was saying with it was, um, Tony Scott would stage an action scene 
and just have 10 camera angles. Like he would just mm. put fucking 10 cameras yeah. on an explosion. And this has more to do with Unstoppable in this movie, but he would put like 10 cameras on an explosion and just like pick the camera angles he'd want. Mm-hmm. What Tarantino would do is he'd be like, if you're dropping a pencil, I want to frame that pencil exactly the way I want to frame mm-hmm. that. Okay. And and I want to frame that in advance and I want exactly that framing in the final cut of the movie. So I was thinking about that a little bit while watching this movie in terms of like sometimes they're cross-cutting to multiple scenes in a room and I'm sort of thinking about Tony Scott with multiple camera angles and sort of how Tarantino would sort of want to maybe like shoot it with like certain angles in mind and then break those ideas and such so Mm -hmm. I do I do think it's interesting thinking about the way, because when you're looking at, um, I spe- especially in the end, how it kind of went back and forth in like the elevator scene between Clarence and Elliot and then the cops, and that's something that I don't really see Tarantino wanting to do, which is kind of what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like jumping back and forth, because I'm not sure, I'm not sure if it like... I personally really liked it because I I really enjoyed um, Chris Penn and Tom Sizemore's own reaction to everything going on because they were just kind of like stupid cops. Oh, yeah. They're just so like the bros that are yeah, just like observing like, Oh, we love this going, guy. Oh, this is great. He's selling to, oh, like he's not going to die. Oh, he's going to die? Yeah, right? And, and Elliot's like, please, someone save me, which they promised to do. And then Clarence is like $500,000 of cocaine. Yeah. And they're like, ah, this this is a cool guy. Like, wait, what? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there's something about it. It doesn't fully feel like a Tarantino film because he didn't direct it. Someone right. else is directing it. He, he wrote it, um, but the director had the last say for... For a few things that happened, um, but there are still there are still times going through it where it did feel like Tarantino. Totally, yeah, I agree. Um, I think the dialogue was great. I think the characters, like even because obviously, like we talked about it, the cast is stacked. It's kind of insane the amount it's of people literally in this insane. film. Um, and I mean, at the time, like some of the some of the actors were up, up and coming, so it's like Brad Pitt still wasn't that big. Patricia Arquette wasn't like a big actress. I yeah. mean, you had you had Christopher Walken go from this into the Prisoner of War in Pulp Fiction, who sticks a stopwatch up his or or a watch up his ass or whatever for, for Bruce for, Willis through th- through a POW <laughs> yeah. camp. Oh my god! So the Sicilian scene up until Tarantino wrote Inglorious Bastards, that was his favorite scene, and then it's his second favorite scene too. The opening scene of Inglorious Bastards. The opening scene. Yeah. The opening scene Which in Inglorious Bastards phenomenal. Is... So, have you heard about the 180 degree rule? Have you heard about this? Mm-mm. 
So, if you were to shoot a conversation, if you were to shoot our conversation right now, mm-hmm. what you would do is you'd probably have a three camera set. You'd yeah. probably have a three camera setup. You'd have maybe a camera from over here that's that that shows the two of us talking together. Mm-hmm. You'd have a camera from over my shoulder that shoots you, um, and you'd have a camera from all over your shoulder that shoots me. But yeah. you never shoot on this side of the plane. Okay. So you'd always shoot on this side, such that. It would seem like the observer is sort of... It's like over your shoulder. Hoping from this side to this side. Yeah, 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 the over the shoulder. So there's certain directors that break this. And what you'll notice, if you're aware of it, what's really cool is you will only notice it. It... It makes you uncomfortable and you don't and, and you don't quite know why. Oh, uh, okay. So it's one of those things where, like, if you watch that scene... It's all shot super standard, super, like, not breaking the 180-degree rule until the moment where it, where it pans down and, and it shows the Jews under the floorboard. Yeah. And then he really fucks with it. He shoots it from here. 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 And he shoots it from all these different angles that you're kind of, like, disorients you in, in the way that Tarantino wants you to be... T- Disoriented because like yeah. Christoph Waltz is like fucking up like the natural flow of like the way this guy is like trying to go about his yeah. way of hiding these people because right. like he like Christoph Waltz is making the whole situation uncomfortable and therefore you're uncomfortable and you don't know why you're uncomfortable but the reason you are is because he's breaking these like film rules that you don't know that you've learned okay if wow. that makes sense yeah I think the psychology of film is one of the most interesting things. That's very interesting. Totally. Thank you for that. So, um, we should start the draft. Yeah, should we, like, have... You know what's funny? We've been talking for 34 minutes. Are you serious? I literally... I I was, like, nervous that we weren't going to have enough to talk about. I literally thought this was maybe 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, same. Like, 100%. Okay, that's okay. very concerning. Um, okay. I, like, had not glanced over. I don't want to give you, like, too much work to do. <laughs> like, no, no, don't worry about this. But I have too much work to not enough. Um, so, what I've been doing with the draft recently yeah. is you draft aspects that you love about the movie. Okay. So, we're not limited to scenes or characters. You can draft scenes or characters or concepts or anything that you love about the movie. But it just has to be something that you love about the movie. Okay. We'll go back and forth. We can't repeat. Okay, so like what, what, like what is like the number one thing that you just like love about this movie? I am gonna say, um, the entire film feels like childish in a way. Mm hmm. Um, and I think that is with the, the action scenes where it's like, this is, this is kind of crazy and unbelievable, but it's still going on with the writing, in a sense, yeah. maybe. Um, just with with the characters, like, especially Clarence in Alabama, and how just, like, uncorrupted by, like, they have their own thing where she's she's a call girl and he's kind of struggling in life to connect with people 
Um, but at the same time, like they get married so quickly, which is I don't love the idea of marriage, but I really love it when no, they I do mean, it. You're, you're so happy for them, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it I, just, I agree. It works. And what you were saying, where it's like you're not questioning if they're gonna make it, you're not questioning anything around around that aspect of it. it you just kind of <laughs> trust that that they're supposed to be together, mm-hmm. um, that they really understand each other, and they just mesh very well. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's a beautiful film um, and a beautiful concept. And, like, I, yeah, especially recently, I've been really appreciative of... I think it's really special when people find each other and initially click and you just, you just open yourself up to someone, Mm -hmm. um, and allow that to happen. And even if it's kind of a scary thing, you still, you still trust yourself to let it happen. Yeah. Um, I don't know because ultimately like. I don't know. You can trust someone for enough time and it still won't work out. So, like, why not if... If you meet someone and it works, like, why not just do it? Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I really appreciate that they are able to allow that time. (laughs) Basically. Right, That was a very long answer. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Um, It's fine. No, no, that reminds me... That reminds me of... Um, that reminds me of a Danny Boyle quote. I don't know if you know, yeah, like it's mm-hmm. a bunch of movie. But, um, he said something along the lines of one time that, like, a, like, a director's best movie is always his first movie because it just, like, captures his thoughts in, like, the purest form. Yeah. And then, like, every movie after that's kind of, like, like, him repeating his initial thoughts in a different way Mm -hmm. and you know I I I I was also sort of thinking about that with this and thinking about how I mean it's not totally like Tarantino's first movie I mean you can really say that about Reservoir Dogs about like how that movie is like very like pure Tarantino and like you're watching it's like directed film okay like this is this is super Tarantino but like I think there is something about this movie where you're just, like, you're watching it and you're like, okay, this is, like, this is, like, how, like, young Tarantino feel, feels. And, like, every movie after that, he's trying to sort of, like, come back to, like, the video store Tarantino that, like, he always was. Yeah. And, like, that is sort of this Tarantino. Um, I, I always love a good romantic story. And, like I said earlier, I think this movie just sort of, straddles that line perfectly between romantic but but innocent but believable but you know crazy and i i think that this movie sort of straddles that line beautifully so yeah yeah i would 100 percent agree with that i was telling you earlier like i feel like this is very much a test film for people in my life where um, if, I don't know, I, 
I will not show this to many people because I think it's, yeah, which, go Ethan. Um, <laughs> I No, I think it's, like, incre- an incredibly special film. Yeah, if I, like, showed it to, I showed it to one person in college, and it was, like, not a good reaction. It was, like, okay. I guess Was I, that when you were just, like, this won't work out? Yeah, pretty much. And did it not work out? I know, it did not. Was it because of the movie or because of other circumstances that could have been predicted by the movie watching experience? It was not because of the movie, but it, the movie and everything, that kind of, like, there were problems initially, and then seeing all of that, it kind of opened me up to everything going on because this movie is so special to me. Um, And... I guess the way that I view society, essentially. Um, But then, like, yeah, like, recently I showed it to another person, and that, it went very well. Um, So it's like... Who was that person? (laughs) Louis. (laughs) You liked it? Yeah, I think so. Oh, good. Oh, good. I mean, obviously he loved Brad Pitt in it, because how can you not? Obviously. Yeah. Um, Okay. My pick, uh, we're yeah, really, literally not going to get into this draft. It's fine. I'm totally <laughs> fine. I'm honestly totally fine with it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's um, do it. My next, like, pick in this draft about, like, why I love this movie so much is just how stacked the cast is. Yeah, like, right? and it's not, And it's not, like, Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette. Um, but, like, it's, it's just, it's just everyone else in this movie. Like... Like, you've got... Okay, so let me just, like... like let me just, like, list this off briefly yeah. in terms of supporting cast. Dennis Hopper, Samuel L. Jackson, Val Kilmer, Jane, James Candolfini, Brad Pitt, and Tom Sizemore. And that... And Michael Rappaport, and then what's the... Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. I mentioned Christopher yeah, Walken. Jesus Christ. Thinking? Yeah. Um, and then who was the other, like, cop that hangs out with Tom Sizemore that's, like... Oh, Chris Penn. Sean Chris, Penn's brother. Chris Penn. Yeah, yeah, yeah you didn't even totally. mention Gary Oldman either. And Gary Oldman. Like, what? Like, literally, <laughs> no. literally I, 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 like, forgot Gary K- Oldman and Christopher Walken because, like, I just thought they were, like, included. Cause, yeah. Cause, yeah, no, but no, seriously, it's like... Huge it's a It's a massive cast mm-hmm. and just, like... People pop pop up for five minutes. Samuel L. Jackson has like nothing to do in this movie, and yeah. I'm like, <laughs> like he gets shot. I mean, I'm not gonna like. Okay, this whole podcast is a spoiler, but like this. I mean, I'm t- I'm talking about like the first ten minutes here. He gets shot in the first ten minutes, and literally I look over at you, and I'm just like, is that it from him? Yeah, and I was like, mm. and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. I'm He's- like, he was like the fourth build guy. In the credits, and you're like, yeah, He's done. that's that's all, that's all you get. Yeah, he I'm comes like, oh, in, fuck. talks for a minute, and then is out. Okay, I've got I've got a couple questions yeah. for you related off this. Let's go. Okay, the first question: Who does the most with the least? Is it James Gandolfini, okay. Gary Oldman, or Christopher Walken? I think those are the three candidates for like doing the most with the least if you want to nominate like Michael Rappaport or or whoever else be my guest but like I think those are the three candidates I I 
I'm gonna say Christopher Walken, in my opinion. Be- I was I was gonna go Christopher Walken. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's like, he's initially himself in it in some way where yeah. where I feel like Gary Oldman. I mean, Gary Oldman is himself in true romance. <laughs> Yeah, is Gary Oldman, are you like a Rasta man? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh, <laughs> so offensive. No, um, yeah. yeah, so this movie did not age well. I guess in we'll like. In certain ways. <laughs> we'll preface with that. In certain ways. Yeah, in certain ways. Um, no, Christopher Walken, I think that scene is ingenious in every aspect. I love. I love the dynamic between him and Dennis Hopper and how it switches halfway through when Dennis Hopper really realizes that he's not getting out of this and he's just like gonna go full force like like I'm I'm doing this um (laughs) we're we're gonna live I guess until the next minute when this man shoots me um ask for a cigarette and everything and Christopher Walken is sitting there like he's so composed and he's really not giving anything away you're not I mean you're you're scared about him because of that because you're not really sure what to expect and but you're sort of like falsely assured by his laughter yeah and he's like oh this man I love this man and he like kisses him on the cheek and then just shoots him in the head you're like Jesus man like what what's going on here oh my god yeah I think Christopher Walken I think I think all of those characters you talked about are amazing but does the most of the least I'm gonna say Christopher Walken for that I completely agree. I think I think at first I was like, I mean, okay, like first of all, like shout out to Gary Oldman and James Candolfini because yeah. like I think any other movie that Christopher Walken wasn't in, they would have easily won. James Candolfini slays his like torture scene, and you're just like, oh god, this guy's a star, and yeah. like he would. This is like pre Sopranos, James yeah. Gandolfini, and then with Gary Oldman, this is like. I think pre Leon the Professional Gary Oldman. Yeah, I where think you're so. just sort of like, oh my god, this guy's like crazy. Yeah. This guy's insane. Yeah. And um, honestly, all three of them just take away their parts. Dennis Hopper is another nominee for that. I yeah. I wouldn't put him in that top three category. No. But there's like those three are just like in the stratosphere of like all time like have have one scene in the movie and just are managing to like just just take it away yeah absolutely kill it absolutely kill it um with with james so with james gandolfini's character i guess um the scene like when he interrogates patricia arquette mm -hmm. he like stayed in a motel for a few days and like did not shower or anything and was just like living in that and wanted to embody I guess kind of like a gross human being who would kind of like beat up a person yeah especially like a woman yeah um and then with with their scene Tom uh, is it Tom Scott or Tim Scott uh Tony Scott's the director Tony Scott yeah I think I said Tim Scott earlier You're, you're, you're fine but Tony Scott like fully like slapped Patricia Arquette 
when she, she, like, couldn't get into the scene, and he's, like, <laughs> he just, like, slaps her, and she starts crying. She's, like, okay, we're, we're good. We got this. Cat, like, 90s movie directors for you, yeah, I guess. Yeah, seriously. Uh, uh, two more things with casting that I just yes. figured I'd squeeze in here. Yes. Because we're talking about casting. Um, one, if you had to replace her... For Alabama. Okay. Yeah. From one of these actresses. Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. So these are the people who were offered the role. Okay. Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah. Juliet Lewis mm. from Natural Born yeah. Killers. She's and Uma Thurman <laughs> offered the role. Okay. Different category. Um turned down from the role. Bridget Fonda, who eventually worked with Tarantino Mm. in Jackie Brown. Um, Diane Lyon. Diane Lyon. Diane Lane. And Kira Sedgwick. And Julia Roberts was turned down. Um, Of those actresses, who would you have liked as as Alabama if you couldn't have had Patricia Arquette? And let me preface this by saying... I think that Patricia Arquette is the most irreplaceable actress in this movie. Mm-hmm. Actor or actress in this movie. I would agree with that. I think I think Christian Slater, like, someone else could have played him. I guess I'm going to go Juliette Lewis. Juliette Lewis could have done it, yeah. Yes. Because she's... I think she's played characters which have taken on the characteristics in some sense not not all encompassing of the of Alabama yeah so I could picture her doing that I honestly I don't think she's as like sexy as Patricia yeah Arquette, I agree which I agree like Patricia Arquette brings a sex appeal which is very important to it's this. an important part of it yeah. um which I really, I don't, and it's like, it's Juliette Lewis or Jennifer Jason Leigh, but for me, between them two, but I don't find either of them very sexy. But Julia Roberts? I I have like a weird thing with Julia Roberts, and recently I've really liked her, especially after seeing like Aaron Brockovich. Okay. Um, she's not, I don't, I can't. She's not as ditzy as, like, a lot of people. And even if she does do that, she's still pretty, like, sincere and self-aware. And so I don't... I I don't really see her being able to embody the part of Alabama as much as some other some other woman I guess yeah I agree I agree it's like it's hard to like turn down her as like a casting option just because she's iconic but I um I do agree with that I I I I have one last question for you on casting yes then I'll like stop taking up all the time on casting um so hot take I think this movie would have been better, and let me explain this, if Christian Slater and Brad Pitt switched parts. Yeah, okay. So, like, okay, so then you have, like, Brad Pitt's first starring role mm-hmm. in a Tarantino movie. The, 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 the person that eventually gets him his Oscar win early on in his 
career. Yeah. Um, and I think I would have been equally happy with them cutting back to Christian Slater as a stoner roommate. Yeah. Like, I would have just been like, oh, that's Christian Slater. He would have done it Like, very well. he would have done the stoner roommate, and it would yeah. have been great. And then you would have had, like, Brad Pitt in a starring vehicle with mm-hmm. Patricia Arquette. I feel like him and Patricia Arquette would have been, had great chemistry. Yeah. Um, only problem, obviously, would have been, and I think this, you get the same problem with, um, with Christian Slater, is that he's just too fucking good looking to be, like, this like guy weird, is, like, a weird video sc- store mm-hmm. clerk who, like, can't get anybody. Like, I yeah. think he would have probably had this same problem. That being said, I think it's a better movie. What are your thoughts? I think that... I think, to like, if Brad Pitt looked how he did in which it was like kind of dirty and stuff yeah, yeah in this yeah. film i think that would have worked a lot better than if it was a brad pitt in like the mexican or inglorious bastards or something like that where he's just like objectively attractive um yeah i am not really sure what my opinions are on christian slater to be completely honest I really like him in a film called Murder in the First, mm. which is about basically like um, a prisoner in Alcatraz that like Kevin Bacon, which like eventually shuts down Alcatraz. Also, Gary Oldman is in that. Yeah, it's fantastic. Would <laughs> ten out of ten would recommend. Um, but no, I don't. I don't think he's like an essential aspect to this film whatsoever. Which is um, odd, because I, I actually think... I, I don't think he plays it badly. I'm not disappointed by no, him. No, But when you think about, like, recasting it, you're like, Patricia Arquette, you couldn't you couldn't touch her. I would not want to do that, no. You wouldn't want to touch mm-hmm. her, honestly. And, like, yeah. And I wouldn't want to touch... I wouldn't want to touch Dennis Hopper. I wouldn't want to touch Gary Oldman, Christopher Walken, like, any right. of those people. But with Christian Slater, um, I he doesn't... He doesn't impress me enough, and I don't think he does enough of, like, a unique job to warrant his owning of the of the character, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think he does a good job, and I like him in it, and I loved watching him in high school and just being like, who's that hottie and everything. <laughs> um, but I don't think, like, a hot Brad Pitt could play him i You're wouldn't right. I wouldn't, yeah i wouldn't want a super attractive person to be that character because i just don't think it would fit very well the and problem I, is brad pitt is like always a certain level of attractive no yeah i know you can't get away from it no matter how much no matter how long you're he, he, <laughs> no matter how long he grows out his facial hair no matter like how like how many days he doesn't shower, he's still Brad Pitt. He's, yeah. Um, that was a long tangent on casting <laughs> thoughts. Do you, what, what, what would be like your next favorite thing about this movie? Okay. And it can be scene or character or anything else. So, I do love Gary Oldman's scene. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, like, he... <laughs> He's such a character where, like, are you problematic because you are pretty much culturally appropriating 
Um, but it's also entirely, the point. Like, black it's, it's entirely the point it's, that he's like a fucker that just like has dreads. Yeah, exactly. Which apparently like because he had just done Dracula for that, so the same makeup artist and everything like did his wig <laughs> and his eye and everything. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's just a really fun scene. Um, you don't really understand what he's saying throughout it, and it feels really gritty. It feels very much like you're in the room with them while they're fighting, while they're speaking. I like how Clarence is incredibly cocky when he Mm -hmm. gives, um... I don't even remember Gary Oldman's character's name, but yeah. when, when he gives him like an envelope for to pay off for Alabama and it's it's empty and you're just like, <laughs> okay, I guess yeah. I guess you're doing this. Um, yeah, and it's Gary Oldman. I don't know. It's I just think that is a really unique scene in cinema history. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, apparently how Tony Scott pitched this to him is he just told him you're a white guy who thinks he's a black guy who's like a killer pimp and Gary Oldman's like, oh, okay, yeah, sign me on. Like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. Okay, great, I got this. Uh, <laughs> I guess. That, that's, uh, one of my IMDb trivia facts. Cool, that I've had. okay. Um, yeah, so like. Like, he just, he calls him, he's like, he's like, I haven't read the script, and he just, like, describes it to him that way. Um, uh, yeah, no, he's, he's absolutely amazing at us. An- another, um, another casting mm-hmm. thing that I forgot to mention, uh, was Jack Black was in a deleted scene. Yeah. So, like, that would have made the cast, he like, He was the that movie much... usher or something, right? Yeah, it was like, he was like in the theater, like yeah. some shit. Like, that would have made the cast, like, that much better. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Jack Black. Jack Black. Love you, man. Yeah. Um, I guess it's my pick. Yeah. Like, my next favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> Not my favorite thing, but, like, special... Special shout out to Christopher Walken for going, I am the Antichrist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> who, who the fuck are you? <laughs> I am the Antichrist. Antichrist. And you're like, okay, I seriously want, I am the Antichrist as like my ringtone. Just no. the way he says it. <laughs> the way he says it in everything. Yeah. Uh, as, as literally like every time I get a text, I am the Antichrist. You should have that as your, like, email signature. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, perfect. Perfect. Hi, would you like to be on the podcast? I am the Antichrist. <laughs> um, that's amazing. Um, yeah. He also, like, he's, like, never, he's, like, Christopher Walken is, like, always old. He's, yeah. like, Judy Dench. <laughs> like, I was thinking about this. I was like, shit, like, Judy Dench was also old in 1993, and she's also old now, and Christopher Walken's, like, the same thing, where they've just been old for 30 years, and that's pretty rare. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is just something I just, it's just two things I jotted down. Isn't an old That man. I want Antichrist in my ringtone, and Christopher Walken and Judy Dench are both old. Um, <laughs> 
what was my next favorite thing about the? Oh, you know what? You know what I honestly really love that I want to talk about is um, the Hans Zimmer steel drum score, that just like comes mm. in in the right moments and is just yeah. like, uh, it. I don't know. It just it just seems to come in come in in the right moments and it's sort of, it's slightly jarring because it. I think the reason it works and I'm only realizing it now is because it feels like. A tropical fantasy like Christian Slater is wearing a Hawaiian shirt like For, a yeah. lot of it yeah and they're in Detroit and going to LA and the steel drums feel like like vacation music almost mm-hmm. it feels like it feels like the fantasy coming in of like oh like where we could be in our future and I think that's the reason it works so well is because yeah. like it it's a very tropical instrument and it starts out in a very, very cold and sort of dreary rust belt city. Um, yeah, I just love that oddly Hans Zimmer score. Making, I, yeah. making the production even more stacked than it already was. I know. I do own that song on my phone. Um, listen to it very frequently. Um, it's called You're So Cool, which she writes on a napkin right. to Christian Slater at the end of the film. Um, but I think that there are some scenes where I'm like, I feel like I can't hear the dialogue as much, but I don't hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, again, kind of goes along with the idea of, like, innocence or immaturity or something where it's just young it's just it's it's a young sound that continues to play throughout the film and kind of reminds you I don't know kind I in my opinion kind of bring brings you back to the main aspect of the story which is their love I think that song is like one of my favorite aspects of the movie. There are some people who think that it, it plays too much, and I I don't know I, don't, I understand what where they're coming from, but yeah, like again, I think it's jarring on purpose. I think that's why it works. Yeah. So it's yeah, just, and it's Hans Zimmer. And it's Hans Zimmer. <laughs> what what the fuck can you do? Exactly. What would be like your next like thing that you just want to shout out that you like love about the movie? Okay. Um. Oh yeah. So this film was supposed to be filmed out of chronological order. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be filmed like Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs, and Tony Scott originally filmed it in that way I think edited it in that way mm-hmm. and then it didn't I don't know he didn't like it so he put it in order but it was like basically the Gary Oldman scene would have been like one of the last scenes of the film which would have been very interesting uh, I, I don't think that would have worked for me I like how they did it I, I liked I liked how they did it honestly yeah. Also, um, um, I really like. But so, I haven't seen it the other way. Yeah. Um, so Bob Dole, who tried to run for president, right? Um, he denounced this film and Natural Born Killers, saying like it's completely violent and um, 
just like non like pre- like premarital sex that's not loving and everything okay. i know that the country of ireland like did not allow natural born killers into the country <laughs> to be shown and everything so it's like those those films were very much seen as young and dangerous towards the population especially towards young people about they didn't I guess like old people didn't want them like socializing and like accepting these ways of life or anything and especially like accepting ways of um young people in love committing crimes yeah I think I think my next favorite thing about this movie is um <clears throat> is the meeting. I think just like the whole idea of the way they meet, the whole idea of like it seems natural and you fall for it and then all of a sudden you're caught off guard when you, yeah. she's like, yeah, I was a prostitute. Like it seems like she's doing it intentionally. Like, you can tell, like, she intentionally spills her popcorn on him. But right. you sort of think that it's just because she thinks he's cute. And then you sort of start to catch on, like, it's, um, it's like, oh, she's actually, like, she's hired to do this, but she actually does care about him. Yeah. That whole, like, process of the movie and, like, the way that all plays out is so real. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think looking back on this, and, and, and specifically analyzing this through the lens of possibly just like a tarantino cocaine fantasy like i think it makes a lot of sense i think that might be the only part of the movie that that was true is that like he had a good night with a hooker and then she was like hey i was paid to do this and he was like oh shit and then and then um and then he sort of projected this whole all forward into like well what if we took cocaine and like from from your pimp and like I, right. I I think when he says it's an autobiographical movie, I think that's sort of what he's taken from it. And this is only my interpretation, but um like through that lens, I think that's specifically why like I think that there's a there's a part in like the later second act that just drags the most. Yes. You know, I yes. think there's a, like, after the James Candolfini part, and there's just sort of, like, a lot of in-between. Yeah, you're kind of waiting for it to get to the end. You're waiting for it. Him. Yeah, you're sort of waiting for it to end. I think that's the part where it doesn't work, and I think that could be explained by just sort of, like, Tarantino projected it all forward from the first mm-hmm. act. So, like, the yeah. first act is real and everything else is, like, fantasy, but, like, he specifically tried to get to an end point with it, if that... Does, does, does that, that make sense? Yes. Ex- yeah. Yes. Um, I do... I really, really like the scene where they're on the balcony mm-hmm. in front of the, the poster, um... Oh yeah! Oh, that's such a gorgeous, that's a it's, beautifully shot scene too. Yeah, yeah, and it's just it's just so real, and you feel because you don't know, like you don't know what Alabama's been through. You don't know how she got to where she did, and Clarence is very much like 
this is okay. We can deal with this. This is fine. Um, and that's, I don't know, probably one of the first times she's heard something like that in her life. And she's just like, I love you. I don't want to lie to you anymore. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. um, and he's scared. I mean, he says it. He's like, don't, don't break my heart. <laughs> like, I will, I will right. die if you are lying to me right now. Um, I think that's a very pure scene between people. Um, yeah, and I think what's odd about it is, like, it, it, it feels so real, but then, like, you're sort of questioning yourself because everything up until that point felt real, right. and it apparently wasn't because yeah. she was a prostitute and she was pretending. Yeah. And so you're piecing together what's a fantasy and what was real, and again, that's, again, that's sort of what I'm doing now with what, like, or like I'm sort of like it was Tarantino and he says excuse me he says it was a pretty autobiographical work but clearly he didn't like catch shot in the eye so yeah. like you're you know you're sort of figuring out like what in it what in it is real and what in it is a fantasy mm -hmm. so yeah I don't know I would agree. I think I do like the first half more than I like the second half. Um, I think there is something exhilarating about those like first like maybe 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. And then I think there's something exhilarating about the last like 15 minutes. And I think there's a lot in between where you're sort of like, okay, like they showed up here now. Like this is cool. Yeah. But like it, it just, it's, it slows. It's just story. Yeah, slows it's just down. the plot. Yeah. Um, and thank God there's Floyd at that point. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> like, he helps oh, a lot. Um, Literally, every time he pops up on screen, you and I were, like, screaming. We just, like, claps, like, thank you, like, Floyd. <laughs> God, such a good character. Oh, God, we're yeah. so happy. <laughs> yeah. Why is Brad Pitt the best? I don't know. Totally. I have a couple other just, like, let me just, like, run through... Mm -hmm. some like trivia slash like thoughts I had just like quickly I won't like spend Can too much I, like, pour myself a little from that? no just like do it really close to the mic <laughs> <laughs> there we go your mom got us some like good whiskey and we're just yeah like... shout out to April Aww. would you like some April come she will Resting in my arms. Remember again. when we saw Paul Simon together and that was beautiful? <laughs> oh, it was so magical. Yeah. It was so ma like I literally I can't explain how magical it was. I this is all getting There's crap. there's a series of like four photos of the group of us that are like by far my favorite thing. I'm going to get them framed all next to each other. Please do. Um, I will also get them framed. Because it's just, it's just like, it's you, and it's like you notice we're there, and then, or notice we're, and then we notice you're taking a picture, and then you like really notice we're taking a picture, and you get very excited. <laughs> and it is so tender. Oh, um, I just cute. love all the people in it. Yeah. It's so cute. I okay, love what that. are what are your questions? No, 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 no. We could just talk about Paul Simon the rest of the night. Um, or, or sing Paul Simon songs. <laughs> I'm sure people would love that. <laughs>
Okay. Info that, like, okay. randomly is jotted in my notes here. That's okay. Nice. So, okay, Brad Pitt, the hat that he's wearing, mm-hmm. um, he found randomly on Venice Beach. He washed it and then decided to wear it the movie. Oh, uh, like Rasta hat? Yeah. That's nice. just, like, he just found that and decided cool. to wear it. Okay, so that's cool. Christian Slater's sunglasses that he's wearing, which is, like, very apparent, like, if you notice it, the same sunglasses that Uma Thurman wears in Kill Bill. Oh, okay. When yeah. she's, like, getting out of the hospital. So yes. that's awesome. Okay, Patricia Arquette was gifted the purple Cadillac at the end of production, <gasps> oh. which is just awesome. Lucky one. Oh, um, my goodness. Okay, personal thought. Why haven't Christopher Walken and Tarantino worked together more than, like, this in Pulp Fiction? They seem perfect for each other. What went wrong? Um, I don't get it. I guess nothing went wrong. I just think, like, he could have just popped up and made, like, two-minute cameos in all of his movies, and it would have made all of them better. I just, like, why has that not happened? I don't get it. Yeah, because he's the only... I mean, he was in Pulp Fiction for, what, two and a half minutes, maybe? I don't even But a very, a, a, I mean, a very rewarding two and a half minutes. It was, yeah, it was great. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, another, another random thought. Red is used very sparingly. I was very aware of it this watch. Okay. Where, like, her underwear was red at the mm-hmm. beginning. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, obviously, blood is red. His shirt is kind of a pinkish red at the end. At the end, yeah. And I think it... It symbolizes some form of desire or something. Like, I think okay. it's something along those lines, and okay. I couldn't quite pin my... I couldn't quite put my fingers on it. Yeah. Um, but, like... And, 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 and the other time I, I, I noticed it super distinctly was the scene they're having sex in the toll booth, and, like, his boxers are red. Uh, so I do like, like that scene. <laughs> 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 yay in high so, school yeah <laughs> i was a fan of that scene so um okay i don't know if you have any thoughts on red or if like, we, we could just move on from um anyway. i mean i i personally didn't i didn't make that um i guess connection but i do like thinking about it within different pieces of writing like especially colors that are used because they are extremely symbolic um i know that this is tarantino like based this off of hamlet um which when because they're writing um oh yeah um there's like something rotten in denmark they said that a few times throughout the film right which is uh, that's that's Hamlet, yeah. Yeah, so I don't I don't know how much he was trying to take from Hamlet because I I mean I know obviously he's kind of a guy who's pretty pretty out there based on adrenaline and he does also have an imaginary figure who follows him around, which is Clarence with Elvis, um, which. We didn't talk much about Kilmer, but like face doesn't show up. Um, Second build guy in the movie, and he is just an imaginary Elvis whose face you never see, which is pretty fucking awesome. So Elvis is, um, 
I don't know what to call them, but the people who are in charge of him and his rights were did not give permission to the production company to use his name or use any of his songs. Um, mm-hmm. Tony Scott was originally planning on using some Elvis songs, from what I read. Yeah. Um, so they said his name at the beginning in the bar. They, they used his name at the end with the child. But besides that, they called him the king. They called him... Um, oh, they never explicitly say it's Elvis. They never said That's his name or anything. And I, th- I think that has to do with why... Probably. Um, Falcomer's face wasn't in the film. I've got I've got a fun fact for you that just just popped into my head Tar- that yeah, um, Tarantino's first acting role was on the Golden Girls as an Elvis impersonator. Oh no! Way. So there were there there was a scene on the Golden Girls that I've only seen on YouTube with no context mm-hmm. of like ten Elvis impersonators lined up. Where they're all like doing their Elvis thing, and uh, Tarantino is like in the back on the right, and he's just like one of the Elvis impersonators. So oh, no just way. for context, like he started out oddly enough as an Elvis impersonator. I wonder if he's just a huge fan of Elvis, or I can see it. He's very into like very poppy things. He's very into like yeah, you know, like this guy was like the center of culture and all so mm-hmm. i could i could see how i could i could honestly see how he'd be really into elvis yeah um yeah anything else you really want to touch on with this movie um let me see. i feel like we we just like rambled for the first hour and now we're like trying to cram everything in <laughs> Trying to, yeah. Oh, okay. I think this is yeah, very yeah. funny. Um, I guess that the film of Pineapple Express was based yes. off of Floyd's character. Is that true, or are you just? That's what I heard. I could totally see that, honestly. I can't yeah. like back that up with sufficient facts. No, no. But, I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. Um, I think it's very. <laughs> Floyd is just ridiculous. I'm very happy that he's in the film. Floyd is so great. He's such a he's such a necessary character. Yeah. And like I think what's so great about him is he reverses the whole idea that up until that point, everyone that interacts with someone in the mob is like, I'm not gonna tell you and like mm-hmm. you're gonna have to like get it out of me and Floyd's like, Oh yeah, let's do it for <laughs> You want to smoke a joy? You want to smoke There's a like bowl? one point where they're like, <laughs> that's, oh, okay. That's my, that's my favorite. Okay, we were literally screaming at the scene. He goes, <laughs> want to smoke a bowl? And then cut to shotgun. And he goes, oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> literally. As he, yeah, in the bowl he's talking about, it's like, Oh, we were bear. dying. <laughs> we, yeah, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, uh, uh, gummy Honey bear, bear or whatever, yeah. yeah. So funny. <laughs> um, I think that even people who don't like this film, um, I think you can still respect it because it was the beginning of Tarantino's career. It was what led into Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction. Like, they actually... There's a character... Mr. White references Alabama in Reservoir Dogs, which is pretty cool. Um... So, yeah, even if, you do, if you're if you not a fan of this film, it's still 
an important film in history for Tarantino to become the director that he became to get to, yeah, I don't know, get to the magnitude that he has been able to get to. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know what we haven't touched on? Um, the drinks we were drinking tonight, which have been, oh, yes. which you might, you might have, you might have heard have affected us. We're, we're a little, <laughs> on this we're show. a little drunk. <laughs> We drank whiskey smashes, yes. which are basically whiskey sours with mint, and they're freaking fantastic. They are oh amazing. God, I, I already love whiskey sours, and like I feel like the mint adds a whole other like yeah. thing to it that doesn't detract from the whiskey sour, mm-hmm. but like adds a whole other level to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so into this whole idea of the whiskey smash. The whiskey how smash, are, How were yeah. the drinks tonight? It was... They're fantastic, and I love the idea of, like, a smash with true romance, where it's such an action-packed film. And I feel like whiskey somehow works with it, too. It, yeah, it's just, it all really, really tied in together. Um, the drinks were phenomenal. Ethan, if you want him to cater an event or anything, you should hit him up, because he is fantastic. 100%. <laughs> Um, yeah, they were so good. I'm not a huge fan of dark alcohol, but it was really good. Cheers, baby. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Like me the intro. <laughs> cheers, baby. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Yeah, let's do it. Let's make it the intro. Cheers, um, cheers, cheers. Yeah, they turned out very well. I'm very happy with them. Um, do you want to, um, <laughs> you did such a great job summarizing this uh <laughs> this uh movie would you like to summarize our friendship yes yes 100 <laughs> i'm done um, so um yeah ethan and i went to high school together we weren't really friends until after high school though um i was i've I was best friends with Lexi for a while, who did Little Miss Sunshine, first first episode, episode on this podcast. Episode one. Um, she introduced me to Ethan. We had a history class together junior year, but still didn't really know each other super well. Junior Rappaport, year. Rappaport. U.S. history. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But we oh, still, like, it was just, I just remember seeing you in the class, like, we didn't actually interact or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am, like, best friends with Paloma, who did the Almost Famous. Almost Famous. Yeah, who, shout out to her. She's a gem. She's a gem. <laughs> Love her You're so also, much. you're going off to, like, to, like, <laughs> farm with her. Yeah, we're gonna go far. In the mountains. <laughs> yeah. So come visit us. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you come visit Paloma and Juliana yeah, in the mountains. Everyone. Um, everyone. <laughs> um, that'll be interesting. But yeah, so Ethan and I was at school together. We're really good friends now. He's he's great. Paige, his oh, girlfriend is oh, great. Stop. Thomas, oh, oh no. his brother is great. I heard that you called him. I Thomas called him recently. the other day, yeah. What a... He was very happy. I seriously don't remember, like, the first time that we really hung out. 
Well, because I remember, so I remember in high school, Lexi hung out with you and Paige, and at first I was like, isn't that kind of weird to hang out with a couple, like, all the time? Lexi was also, which I've told her about, like, through that time and later, she was also very, like, separate with, like, you and Ploma, like, me and Paige, she was, was, like, very, she was very, like... She was very like um, she was like intentional like, about keeping us no and I was distance. like and I was like and I was like hey Lexi what are you doing today she's like I'm hanging out with Juliana or like or like whatever <laughs> I was like I was like oh great so like we'll all like hang we'll out. all like yeah. hang out and she's like oh no I was hanging out with Juliana I was like okay <laughs> now even don't come <laughs> like, okay. you're not like, invited <laughs> like fine and then and then I'll. Yeah, and then and then and then later she was like, um, she was like, look at me, I made all my friends friends. And I was like, this was not because of you. <laughs> this was like, this was like the opposite of because of you. It's because we pushed it. it was we like, pushed because it for we so made, long. It's like because we made this happen. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but, so uh, Lexi, do you hear this? <laughs> no, Lexi's not gonna hear this. This is all cut. I love you so much. Lexi's the best. Um, oh, no. Just keep complimenting me for another 30 minutes. Yeah. And um, that would so, be great. So also, okay, I do, I've, I've told this to you, but I think Ethan looks so much like Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay, you don't have to keep complimenting. I was j- joking when, you, when I asked okay. you to keep complimenting me. Stop talking. <laughs> I do think so, though. I'm just going to say it. Uh, I'll be done. Um, Tom Sizemore got James Gandolfini the role. <laughs> oh my god. I'm so sorry for what you have to edit. No, no, no. no. It's not, it's, honestly, it's not that bad. It's not that bad at all. It's not that bad at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, to wrap it up. Yeah. I usually have my guests say a quote that they love yes. in character. It could be any quote from any movie. It has to be in a character. <laughs> Don't condescend me, man. I'll fucking kill you, man. That was Brad Pitt in True Romance. <laughs> Brad Pitt is Floyd in True Romance. <laughs> Um, I can do another one if we want. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think that was perfect. I think that was like so. <laughs> Did so you perfect. picture me as Brad Pitt? Right? <laughs> I kind of got it. I kind of yeah. got it. It was like it was like it was like a deep <laughs> fake. It's like a deep fake. Like I saw it for a second. Don't condescend me. Thank you. Juliana, thank you for all your uh, contributions tonight. I don't know how helpful they were, but oh, thank very, you. Very, <laughs> thank you for having me on. Very, very, very I've helpful. been looking forward to this for a long time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cineflag, and I will see you next week.